It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. It's Sunday and time to talk cars. It's in the pit crew of Ryan and Jen this morning. Uh, we're going to have some know-it-alls on today's show. Guys, you know all about cars. Russ Datz is going to be here. He is the uh, Volvo, I guess, media relations manager. He's going to tell us all about the new XC40, and you're going to be surprised when you find out about this compact SUV because uh, let's just say Volvo aren't telling lies when they talk about it. We're going to be talking to Davis Adams about the Honda Type R, a Honda's little rocket race car uh, built out of the Civic. Dawn Mercer is going to tell us about their hydrogen vehicle, the Mirai. It's been out for a couple of years, but everybody else jumping on the bandwagon behind Toyota. What does that mean for the way you fuel your car and the future? We're also going to be talking to our regular mad scientist, Anton Wallman, who knows all about VEVs. I like to call them an EV know-it-all. So what's been going on in this week uh, since we were away from the show? Uh, We've had an interesting week. Uh, We have a press loaner that is fabulous. The brand new Jeep Trackhawk for 2018. Both Jen and Ryan have driven it. Um, Ryan, I know you want to marry the car, but that's not legal in most uh, of 52 states or 50 states. Uh, Jen, you've driven it too. Yes, 707 horsepower is like my style. <laughs> See, this is why we love Jen because <laughs> most like, oh, we just do gas mileage. My purse doesn't fit in the middle. And Jen's like, how big's the engine? Seven million thousand horsepower. I'm in love. <laughs> liter, bring it on. (laughs) See, Jen has a truck, which I think the lift is actually taller than her. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I I see you stand next to it, and you could probably just walk under it, couldn't you? Yes, it's the Exciter (laughs) by Trailwagon. Oh, she even knows what it's called. Most people don't even know the color of their vehicle. (laughs) Jen knows what it's called. Ryan, you've driven the Trackhawk too? I think it's amazing. I don't think there's a better SUV on this earth. The Durango SRT... Yeah, the drone goes uh, nice, but I like the they're, Jeep they're based off the same vehicle uh, that Jeep. Yeah, they're, they're based off the same. I think it's the ML platform, the old Mercedes ML platform. They're both amazing cars. We had them both on Run to the Sun, but the supercharger from the Jeep is just—it's so loud, it's so fast. You know what I noticed about it though? It makes a whiny, whiny, whiny noise when you drive it. Like it's me. The yeah, whole I don't time. Know what that is. No, I think that's neither. just Nick. Maybe have that looked at. <laughs> no, maybe I have tinnitus in my yeah. ears. I don't know. Am I um, having a stroke? I think it's perfect because you could take it anywhere you want to go. You know, up hills, tow something, and still have that much power. Yeah, we're gonna go take it in the snow here soon. Apparently, FCA says it does pretty well in the snow. I know they have a snow mode in it. I'm not sure how well it'll do, but we'll we're about to track find mode out. works really well. Sh- yes, it does. The, the, for legal reasons, this conversation is now terminated. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, also, you know, we got the whole whole Detroit thing going on, CES thing that's uh, that's happened this week. A lot of new technologies for cars. I noticed that uh, Nuance, who does Dragon speaking naturally, uh, they have this new software they're testing out where you can look at things in the car and it'll tell you what they are. So as you're driving by a restaurant, you can glance at it and it'll tell you, oh, that, that's, that's uh, Jen and Son uh, Deep Friary. And uh, this is the hours it's... Oh, I'm making things up because there's not really... <laughs> What have we come to? <laughs> but um, I think that's awesome. Uh, so they have that, and then there's the control your car with your brain from Nissan. Uh, that's kind of cool. A brand new uh, vehicle from Hyundai. They're, they're getting into the 
game of hydrogen so there's there's a lot of stuff going on like secrets that are being revealed about how delicious these amazing cars are so CS this week and then and then uh, you know we're heading into the Detroit Auto Show new G-Wagon new Ranger which I've seen the new Edge ST a new Silverado lots of new cars at the show um i think the show kind of redeemed itself this year it was it was in trouble i think but it's redeemed itself we'll be talking about some of those as the show continues uh you can always find us 24 7 at ourautoexpert.com thank you for joining us it's delicious to have you on board and when we return we're going to get into a little bit of uh cool stuff with new technology if you've been paying attention to ces this week the next generation of fuel cell vehicles released by hyundai it's called the nexo and this is going to be the first purpose built uh, hydrogen vehicle from hyundai it'll have a range of 370 miles and it can actually power your house and water your garden more our auto expert with nick miles is coming up on como news Como News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. You're listening to America's Automotive Radio Show, keeping you connected with the hottest vehicles on the market. It's time for that ominous fun fact. Here is Jennifer. Volvo means I roll in Latin, derived from the word volvere, in reference to the ball bearings. The brand name was originally registered as a trademark in May in 1911. Uh, joining us on the phone is Russell Datz. He's the National Media Relations Manager for Volvo. Let's talk about, uh, Russ, first of all, the new XC40. Now, I have to say that a lot of times I hear designers say things like, oh, it was inspired by the light hitting the water at a 47 degree <laughs> angle at sunset, or they'll say something like the inside is designed after a Savile Row soup but uh, let's be really honest here uh, consumers know that's kind of uh, BR who you know it's it's hoo-ha from a lot of designers when I looked at what Volvo said about their new XC40 I was like this is the the most truthful I've ever heard a designer be because uh, Ian Kettle said that it's like a tough little robot it's like watching a sci-fi movie and they even quoted like uh, Oblivion with Tom Cruise and uh, the original Apple mouse, which is funny enough, Russ, when I looked at the XC40 for the first time, I went spot on. It's exactly like that. So Volvo are now being honest with their, uh, with their, or they, or not, they haven't been honest, but they're being honest about where the design came from. Do you feel the same way as I do? I do. You know, I think Ian uh, did a great job with the car. It's actually his first job out of design school, believe it or not, and very, very proud of what he's done. And, and we are too. The car does come across as something that's useful and dependable and reliable and go-to and practical and all things that are Volvo with a nice little twist to it. You know, Volvo were chugging along, Russ, with uh, with doing really great. And then this sort of massive turn with the XC90, then the XC60, then the S, the S and the V, um, the, the wagon and the sedan full-size luxury. And at every turn, you seem to drop quite a few chins um, and you've done something different with every one and really sort of up the game. What was the big change for Volvo in in turning this company around and making it sort of really the attention of everybody? I mean, awards, you're up for the XC60s up for awards this year at North American uh, Utility Vehicle of the Year. I mean, you guys are hitting out of the park. Well, death is a great motivator. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's 
pretty much where the company was four years ago. Uh, you know, uh, in in the early 2000s, uh, or I'm sorry, in 2010, Ford divested of Volvo after a decade-long ownership to Chinese company Geely Holdings. And instead of continuing with the same old, same old, the owners were very shrewd. Uh, the chairman of the board, Chairman Li Shu Fu, gave a directive to the Swedish managers of the company uh, and and the um, you know the protectors of the brand to let the tiger loose. And he managed to provide the resources and funding that were needed to let Volvo be free and do its thing. And it was literally do or die. We either had to come up with a game-changing business plan, product plan, or call it a day and turn the lights off after nearly 90 years of doing business. And you've done obviously a really good job with that. Uh, Let's talk a little about the XC40. So this vehicle seems to come with a lot of tech that I've not really seen on uh, Volvos before. Uh, You have that 360-degree camera. Yeah, that's our that's our 360 degree cam, and what it does is it stitches together imagery from four cameras around the car, so you can actually get a bird's eye view. It looks like there's a drone hovering over your vehicle on the nine inch census screen in the dashboard, uh, so you can see all around at the same time, rather than just a single rear view camera or one side of the car. Let, what are the features of the car you think are going to be its best selling points? Well, I think it's the way we approach the interior. The compact or small SUV category is very competitive. You've got a lot of other luxury vehicles in the class. You've got a, a lot of other non-luxury vehicles in the class that are competing. We're trying to go decidedly upmarket with it and compete with the, the European usual suspects and some of the high-end Asian brands. But we looked at the car when we designed it of how it's really going to be used. And it was designed primarily to be a city car. So if you look at how people use their cars who live in denser areas, things to do, items to hold, organization to be done, and the way that the interior has been put together is, is very creative. I'm, I'm really looking forward to test driving, which I haven't done yet. Uh, before we go to break, uh, how much and when? Well, it's on the market in March in the United States for a starting price of mid-30s. And very reasonable, too. When we come back, uh, we'll talk to Russ a little bit more, and this time I want to talk about a new service which is launched right here in Seattle, which means that you may never have to wash your car again. That's when our auto expert continues. Keep listening. Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. Start your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. We are talking to Russell Datz, who is the National Media Relations Manager for Volvo. And there is a new digital app that you can get on your phone. I guess if it's an app, it's digital. That's kind of a redundant sentence. But a digital uh, app on your phone, which allows you to do a lot of things with your car that you might have to physically do yourself, but have a third party do it. So, Russ, give us sort of an overview of what this new Volvo app does. Sure. One of uh, Volvo's primary goals is to make life easier for Volvo owners. And one way to do that is to bring services to car owners that they haven't thought of before. So with Volvo Concierge Services, the owner of Volvo, it's a pilot program that's being rolled out right now in the Bay Area and now Seattle. With an app on the phone, you can actually have your car washed and or gassed or even taken to service while you're at work or an appointment or doing something where the car might be sitting still otherwise. So now there's other other companies have introduced this sort of service where you can book it, uh, you know, somebody can bring you a loaner, uh, they will service it 
for you. I'm thinking of Lincoln and Hyundai or Genesis that are doing this as well. But the difference is you're operating this through an app and it's being fueled and washed while it's in place as well. And I saw the video which has a little fueling truck showing up to fuel the vehicle, but it also has a digital key that allows a third party to get into your vehicle. You know, is that something unique, but is it secure? It is secure. Uh, you know, we take a lot of precautions to make sure that anything on the digital platform in the cloud is secure. These digital keys are only one-time access keys, and they also don't allow the car to be entered by anybody else but the person with that digital key. The thing about that is, though, too, you know, if he, if he locks something inside the car, presumably there's a way for him to, to, you know, go back or call you and you can let him back in the vehicle? Well, actually, for the fuel service, the car does not unlock, as far as I know. It's just the fuel filler door that opens up. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Now, this is available in Seattle. Uh, do you have to have a, a brand new car, um, or is it something that's available for other Volvos? No, it's available on the new cars, the Spa and CMA platform vehicles. So if you have a, I think it's a, a car that's maybe a couple years old, it'll still do it, or a car that's a year old? Uh, that's a good question. I'd have to look and see if it's uh, retroactive, but the all the new cars, the 2018 and beyonds, maybe some of the 2017s, XC90, V90, V90 Cross Country, XC60, and even the new XC40. Awesome. And then, presumably, you'll start rolling us out to other cities uh, pending its success. That's the plan. Yeah, I mean, we want to start in areas where this type of technology is, where people are comfortable with this type of technology and can help spread the word. Now, do you see this sort of adding services to this? Because it's it's kind of a cool one. I know that Volvo sort of demoed some services in the past where you could perhaps have UPS uh, packages dropped in your vehicles. Yeah, actually, in Europe, that's an ongoing program. Do you think it'll be introduced in the United States? Are we hoping? TBD. <laughs> Russ is not giving us uh, any information about what could be uh, happening in the future. Russ, thank you for spending some time with us today. I'm looking forward to actually testing that app and uh, testing the XC40. Do you have any big announcements coming this year? Are we, are we should we be uh, paying attention to the Volvo stand at any upcoming auto show? Uh, the next biggest show we're going to be at, uh, well, uh, the XC60 is a finalist for uh, North American Car of the Year or North American Utility of the Year, actually, and we got our fingers crossed for that one. It'll be announced next Monday in Detroit. We move on from there, so pay attention. I'm paying attention, but thank you for joining us, and I'm, I'll look forward to probably uh, hanging out with you at the auto shows in the next uh, couple of months or so. We'll see you there. Thanks, Russ. So when we return, it's uh, Honda's new sexy rocket. We'll be talking about that with Davis Adams, the uh, Type R. I'm Nick Miles. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. We're back with America's Car Radio Show. And uh, Jen actually has a fun fact for us right now. Okay. Honda Performance Development was established in 1993 and is the technical operations center for high-performance racing programs and parts. It is located in Santa Clara, California. Joining us on the phone, Davis Adams. He is the uh, West Region uh, Manager for Public Relations for Honda. And uh, they have a, a very flashy new uh, pocket rocket out called the Honda Civic Type R. Davis, this has been out for a little while now. Are we going into the 2000 
2018 model, but you had a few released in 2017, didn't you? Uh, you know, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show, Nick. Um, I love hearing your voice on the radio. Uh, and then, <laughs> and by far, you're absolutely right. So uh, we, we are rolling into a second model year right now with the uh, 2018 model. But it's, uh, it is more or less a carryover from the 2017, which we had a very limited number of vehicles out on the road. It debuted there. It's the first branded Type R we've had in America. So it's a really big deal for us. One of the things I learned uh, when the vehicle first went on sale was the fact that if it uh, if you ever see a Honda with a red Honda badge on at the front, then it's a fake because this is the first one that was ever offered in the United States, an original United States vehicle that has the red Honda badge at the front. Is that absolutely true? <laughs> it's you know how the aftermarket loves the Honda, <laughs> so our our customers are absolutely the kind of folks who uh, who like to customize their cars. And you're right, the the Type R badge, which is the red Honda badge, has never been sold on a car from the factory in America before. It, it is the kind of badge you can buy it in, in the aftermarket, and a lot of guys do because Type R has been around in Europe and Japan in the past, and so they've been quick to want to kind of grab onto that heritage and put it on their car here in the U.S. But uh, but if you want one that's built with the badge on it this is your first chance to get that now car. let me ask you this question so this car is quite unique as far as colors are concerned isn't it i mean it's, it's kind of only offered in in what i would call racing colors you know you have you have black and white and red silver and blue or, or gray and blue but uh but the white is it's a unique color here because it's championship white which is a color that we only paint type r's and our race cars and motorcycles it's, it's a honda racing color that we reserve specifically for our kind of pinnacle performance products for racing is that is like a virginal color then? <laughs> it's, it's sort of, I guess. It, it may may make you feel that way, but <laughs> it, it's a beast. <laughs> uh, let's talk about driving modes for the car. So there are this six-speed transmission, uh, and it, it has things that you might not expect in sort of a uh, you know pocket rocket, which is uh, you know things like hill start assist. Yeah. So um, so Type R is you know ultimately it's it's Civic derived. It's built on the Civic platform, and it's meant to be you know a race car for the road or uh you know a road car that you can race or whatever and and there and it's, it's ultimately it's a civic hatchback it has all the practicality of a civic hatchback and has all the technology you would expect from a from a modern street car as well so it is a manual transmission like you said it has a six-speed manual in it it's the only way it's offered because it's a performance car and that's the way they belong they, they deserve to be but um for those people who are learning to drive manual or perfecting their manual skills it does have hill start assist uh so that you uh it grab the brakes for just a second as you're kind of beginning up a hill with your transmission. I noticed that a lot of the competition has uh, all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, but you decided not to put that into the Type R. So, so Type R, from a historical standpoint, globally, has always been front-wheel drive for us. And it's one of the things that I kind of love about Honda is choosing to attack a segment in its own kind of unique way. Uh, you know, there are some compromises that come with all-wheel drive. And, you know, that says weight is the first thing. And the second thing is that you have to, you know, to, to run that system to the back of the car, you kind of have to lift the cabin up a little bit. And people, you know, you sit higher in the car. The advantages of the Type R are that, first of all, it's very lightweight. So it's it's very nimble, um, and also you have the fact that you can sit really low in the vehicle. So just the driving position gives you a lot better command of what you're doing. Now I notice you do have uh, you do have some pretty impressive numbers here, uh, 306 horsepower, which is higher than I think all but one of the vehicles it goes up against. Yeah, and I think that that one vehicle that you're talking about is the Focus RS, and that thing costs more than seven thousand dollars more money. So we 
have uh, a thousand more questions for you and I, I want to ask those of you because um, there's a lot more I want to know about this car but those uh, these commercials are uh, tapping me on the shoulder and they want to come in right here uh, so let's just take a break on our Auto Expo when we return Davis Adams is here talking about uh, the brand new Honda Type R and we're going to find out a little more about it including the fact that this vehicle uh, seems to be kicking backside of uh, pretty much all of its competition Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. More at ourautoexpert.com. And of course, you can watch our videos if you go to YouTube and uh, you will see our video of the Honda Type R, the Civic Type R. Davis Adams with us. He is the West Coast guru on PR for Honda. Uh, Davis, let's talk about some of the uh, the features, the technical, the grease monkey features of the, the new Honda Type R. The features including stability control, ABS, EBD, um, all those type of things. You really equip this vehicle with a lot of electronic safety systems. You know, can you hit me with some more acronyms real fast? <laughs> <laughs> How about ACE, ACE, the ACE body structure? That's the, there you go. I love this. All right, so you're, you're right. The Type R has a lot of stuff going on underneath it. First and foremost, just a little bit of like some new, some numbers. It has a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder. That creates 306 horsepower and 295 pound-feet of torque. It has a six-speed manual transmission. It has a helical limited slip differential, and it is a front-wheel drive vehicle that is crazy fast top speed of 167 miles an hour. It's awesome. In terms of the, the systems that you're talking about, you're right. It does. It has all the standard safety stuff that you expect in a car today. So it has you know, traction control and it has stability control and it has, um, you know, our ACE body structure that you just mentioned is actually our crash structure. So it's, you know, God forbid that you're in an accident, but it's what's going to keep you safe if you are in an accident. It really make, keeps the, the cabin of the vehicle very strong, very rigid in the event that something happens, um, just so that we can try to take care of our customers the best way possible. And we should also mention that engine actually got Ward's 10 best as well. It absolutely good. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And you know what's really neat is uh, this this engine, this two liter turbo, is is also now um, a, a one of a version of it is now in the Honda Accord, which is very normal kind of mainstream car. Well, now you now you've opened it up. So the Honda Accord uh, tomorrow morning is up for uh, the North American Car of the Year. It in most of the uh, documentation I've seen is the favorite. Do you think you'll win Car of the Year next year for the new Accord? You know, I'm hopeful. This is the thing is. Uh, so Accord's eligible for the Car of the Year and the Odyssey, the 2018 Odyssey is eligible for Utility of the Year. And, and they're both just fantastic products. So, you know, the, the Accord's up against some interesting competitors. One is the Toyota Camry. The Accord's way better than that. Don't buy that Camry. Um, and it's also up against the Kia Stinger, which is a which is a really cool car for Kia, but it's kind of pricey. So I think uh, what we have going on with the Accord is, is really the best sedan uh, on the market right now, just in terms of being well-rounded and being high-tech and being stylish and having the, you know, really advanced drivetrains that can it's awesome. And then on the Odyssey side, it's, it's up against the the Stelvio, which is very different than it, you know, the, the Alfa Romeo, as well as the Volvo XC60. Both those cars can cost like, you know, 80 grand and the Odyssey, meanwhile, can haul eight passengers around for as low as $30,000. It's great. I think I, my, my personal opinion is the Accord has a really good chance of winning in that category. I'm so split between the other categories because, uh, you know, Alfa Romeo have been cleaning up on awards just because it's a fresh face on the block. But again, it's it, these things never seem to uh, balance out for price. It's all about 
about you know what people want uh, what they uh, what they aspire to own not what sensible people drive necessarily so I, I can generally call which is going to win and which is going to lose pretty closely but I've never been able to work out why these decisions are made they seem to be more emotional than uh, with the sensible part of the brain well you know what's what's really nice and so flattering is the fact that we are that we are finalists in the first place and we're just really excited that these these jurors and these publications um, recognize the work that our engineers have put into the cars I predict you will you'll walk away with at least one award so Davis uh, thank you for joining us this morning on our auto expert you can find uh, more out at honda.com and Davis Adams uh, will be given happy to give you his personal cell number and you can call him anytime for any questions that you might have about Honda Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. Welcome back to our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles. Well, thanks for joining us for the first hour of this week's show. Uh, we have learned about the new Honda Type R. We've also learned about the Volvo XC40, which is their brand new subcompact SUV coming to market in the next couple of months. Still to come on the show this week, we're going to delve into a lot more fun stuff. Hi. Hydrogen cars seem to be on the horizon, bigger and better than they've ever been before. There's been a few experimentations. Uh, Toyota have the Mirai. We've also seen some BMW versions of the vehicle and a Santa Fe in Southern California. But it looks like it may be going mainstream after Hyundai have announced that they will be bringing a new and very different uh, hydrogen vehicle to market in the next short amount of time. So we thought we'd look back and look at the future of hydrogen. Coming up, we'll talk to Toyota and find out about their Mirai and what they have laid in for the future. We're also going to talk to our crazy mad scientist who knows all about EVs, Anton Wallman. There's that and much more as our delve into the automotive industry continues this morning. More Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles is coming up on Como News. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles in the studio with me is Jen and Ryan. We are talking cars all this morning. Still to come, we'll be talking about the Toyota Mirai, which is their hydrogen vehicle. Also talking to our EV expert, Anton Wallman. Uh, I found out something very interesting today that Seattle has become the number one market for the Nissan Leaf in the United States was number two. It's uh, now surpassed uh, San Francisco, which was the original holder of the title. And one of the reasons after talking to Sean Mirabal, who is from Nissan and heads up their uh, center in Seattle, Sean tells me it's because people in the Northwest are more likely to accept new technologies. And one of the things they're embracing is those electric cars and in the future, hopefully hydrogen cars. So I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about hydrogen and electric vehicles. Jen, every 
time I mention anything hydrogen electric, makes a scrunchy face. I actually like the EVs. The only concern I have to the environment is the batteries. Um, how they're made, what happens to them, yeah, how they're manufactured. I, mean, well, I think they have to be concern. recycled, I think, under law. However, the, there is a new concern. We could actually mention this, talk to Anton about this. We mentioned it last week, but there is growing evidence that maybe sitting on all this electricity could make you sick. <laughs> I wanted to go with what it can do to you. That's probably inappropriate for the radio, but it can make you sick. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence to say that. I think a lot of people are surmising it. Uh, Ryan, your feeling about alternative fueled vehicles and hydrogen, electric? I think that over the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing that every vehicle is going to become electrified in some way. So obviously it's the future. It's what we're looking towards. But the hydrogen cars, the Mirai came out in 2015. So obviously that's not hitting too hard. I think I've seen three of them in the wild ever, and they were probably owned by Toyota employees. Yeah, but you've got to also remember the main fact about this is that things like the Mirai need hydrogen. Hydrogen isn't available at every corner. So you have to think about where you get filled up. I mean, these cars are most of the hydrogen stations are in Southern California. There's some natural gas stations in, in Seattle. There's uh, natural gas stations in Portland. There are very few uh, hydrogen fueling stations for the public. The infrastructure is not there. And I think Shell were looking at uh, how much it costs them to put one in of their, their regular stations. And it's it's a lot of money to install a hydrogen station. And then there's the manufacturing it. So, it, I mean, look, there's a million and one places we can go with hydrogen. The One of the biggest problems is that we're not there yet um but overall driving electrical or hydrogen vehicles how do you feel i've only driven the mirai one time and i didn't really notice a difference between the mirai and the prius like overall in sound and drive quality and stuff like that but then it's just like you say the infrastructure is not there so if i don't have the capability of filling my car up why am i even interested and it should be pointed out at this point that a hydrogen vehicle is actually an electric vehicle um it uses the hydrogen to create electricity the cool part about it is it doesn't need charging it's a solid fuel or a gaseous fuel that can be made solid under pressure but the positive part is the uh it's water and oxygen you know h2o uh, which comes off there when it combines with oxygen it becomes water and electricity uh which is a great thing right so the byproduct is water uh when you combine hydrogen and oxygen to to make a combustion uh, and that just creates electricity so the idea of a hydrogen vehicle is it feels and drives like an electric vehicle it's just the fuel that's different in the vehicle. I actually enjoy driving electric vehicles because the 0 to 60 is amazing. I mean, you cannot beat a Tesla 0 to 60. They are the fastest cars. The, the Model S is still one of the most serious 0 to 60 cars. However... 60 to 150 uh, there's plenty of gasoline vehicles that can kick your backside so I don't know I enjoy electric vehicles I think I want a charger in my house I want to drive an electric vehicle Jen would you ever drive anything electric I'm not sure <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you just tell us the truth Jen no you hate electric no I'm I'm a big advocate of a V8 engine or high horsepower but I am really excited about the racing the electric cars that they're coming out with for the racing wait till there's electric trucks I bet you that uh, the new Ram being announced tomorrow uh, will have the option of a hybrid. I think you know, that Ford will have an F-150 hybrid, possibly plug-in electric. The future of this show is going to happen in a moment or so when we're going to talk uh, about the new Mirai with Toyota and then Anton Wallman coming up, who is our expert in all EVs, the mad scientist who's a great analyst and can tell us all the background and dirty stories on the backgrounds of EVs and the forthcoming EVs that will be released in North America. Keep listening Nick Miles, our auto expert, is moments away on Como News 1000, FM 97.7. 
Start your engines, and they're off. Back to our auto expert, Nick Miles. This is Como News. We are, uh, we've been teasing this the whole show, talking about uh, hydrogen vehicles, and specifically about the uh, Toyota Mirai. Uh, Dawn McKenzie's joining us on the phone. She is the marketing manager for the Mirai. Dawn, looks a little bit like Toyota are about two years ahead of the curve of the rest of the automakers with the Mirai, right? Yes, that's right. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on today. We're really excited to be uh, the first automaker to bring this hydrogen vehicle to the United States. The Mirai launched back at the end of 2015, and we've had a 2016 model year and a 2017 model year out in the market so far. So what made uh, Toyota, I mean, I know that uh, BMW had had a 7 Series that they had been testing, but what really made Toyota uh, bring this to market at the time they did uh, two years plus ago? So Toyota has been working on hydrogen technology for over 20 years, all the way back when we were uh, developing the Prius hybrid. We were also developing fuel cell vehicles. And so bringing the fuel cell vehicle to the United States as the next part of our uh, of our quest for lower emission vehicles was just the next step for Toyota. So we're really happy to be able to have done that. So let's talk a little bit about the Mirai. Uh, what are some of the stats? Because when we talk about electric vehicles, which technically a hydrogen vehicle is, is really sort of the next generation of electric, what, what's the what's the, the range? Uh, how long does it take to fuel? What's the sort of cost of running it? Sure, you're exactly right there. A hydrogen vehicle is essentially an electric vehicle that gets its electric from a fuel cell that's, that's powered by hydrogen. The Toyota Mirai has a range of approximately 312 miles, and it takes only three to five minutes to refuel the vehicle. No different, really, than when you pull up to a regular gas station and fill up your gasoline vehicle. Now, is, there a, is it a challenge to refuel it? Because the first thing that goes through everybody's head, and regardless of how long ago it is, is like, oh, the Hindenburg, you know, there's, this could, you know, the hydrogen is a pressurized gas, it's highly flammable, that's the first thing. But clearly it wouldn't be on the road with lay people being able to fill it up if it wasn't safe. That's absolutely right. I mean, all of the, all of the safety has been tested on this vehicle and on the fueling stations. The hydrogen tanks, the two hydrogen tanks that are in the Mirai are just super strong hydrogen tanks and are super safe. And we've tested them over and over again to ensure that there would be no issues in an accident or with anything happening with the vehicle. Now, how the next question, everyone's going to have this, how available is hydrogen? Because really the infrastructure is, is where we were with gas maybe 100 years ago. <laughs> That's right. A lot of people liken putting a hydrogen vehicle out there to like the first time when Prius came out. But you're right. It's more like when cars first came out and we had to build an infrastructure around gasoline. Right now, the United States is trying to build an infrastructure around hydrogen. California has been at the forefront of that. And the fueling stations right now are in California. There are 31 fueling stations in California, mostly around the Los Angeles area and the San Francisco area. And we're expecting by the end of 2019, for that number to be 55 fueling stations in California. When so one of the one of the big questions is when hydrogen vehicles become available, is this going to be something that is going to be fueled by the OEMs, by the manufacturers, by Toyota, by Honda, by companies who are doing it, or is the are these vehicles, these vehicle fueling stations, going to be built by people like Shell or SO or those type of guys who who currently provide our gasoline? Are we going to see? I know that initially that Honda in Southern California had actually fueled the vehicles themselves. So it, which way do you think it's going to go? So it looks 
right now, like it's going with private fuel providers. You know, Shell is out there. They've made an announcement that they'll be adding seven new stations to the San Francisco area in the next year. Air Liquide is another provider. First Element is another provider. They do partner with the OEMs, Toyota included, to help them develop their structures and to help them fund their infrastructure. But I think it really will be owned by fuel providers and not by OEMs once this is structure that's out there for the whole nation. So we're going to take a break in a second, but let me just uh, ask you this. The Mirai from Toyota, definitely an exciting vehicle. First did uh, a few years ago. Am I holding my breath for the next uh, the next version of this vehicle or do we need to wait for the infrastructure to be built? So the next version of this vehicle is scheduled for uh, several years out. The 2018 Mirai has a few advancements over the 2017 Mirai, like our Qi phone charger has gotten a little bit bigger. And when our auto expert returns, we'll talk to Dawn Mercer more about the Mirai and whether uh, the fuel of the future is hydrogen. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Our auto expert with Nick Miles will be right back. Como News 1000 FM 97.7. Jump right in and put the pedal to the floor. Our auto expert with Nick Miles continues. Welcome back to our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles and we're talking about hydrogen vehicles. Uh, Dawn Mercer is with us talking about the Mirai. She is the marketing uh, manager for the Toyota Mirai, which is the really the first commercially available hydrogen vehicle in the United States. So Dawn, I uh, mentioned to you in the break, I had been to Japan with the uh, with Toyota for the auto show in Tokyo just a few months ago. And one of the things that we saw was some of the interesting ways in which Toyota were making hydrogen via wind power, storing it in recycled Prius batteries, the electricity, and then making hydrogen out of that. And it really brings to the question of, is there a real future in hydrogen vehicles? Does the Mirai have a future beyond this sort of experimental Southern California vehicle? So thanks for that. You know, it's really exciting all the different places that hydrogen can come from and that's what makes the Mirai and a hydrogen vehicle overall such a good answer for the U.S vehicle market. There absolutely is a future for Mirai and other hydrogen vehicles. The consumer is going to choose the vehicle that's right for them. We really see electric vehicles being more for the the short runs, the short commutes, those sorts of things. And hydrogen vehicles, as they're developed, will allow for longer and longer and longer ranges. The other thing about hydrogen, Nick, is scalability. Because we've shown that we can get fuel cells and batteries small enough to fit into a passenger car. Toyota's also shown that we can have fuel cells and batteries big enough to run a semi-tractor trailer. The example being a tractor trailer that's running at the port of Long Beach, running drayage every day, pulling cargo that semi-tractor trailers normally pull with absolutely no emissions in that vehicle. So showing that scalability really shows the future and the promise that hydrogen vehicles can bring to the United States. Uh, Last question for you, Dawn, before we uh, go into break. Let's talk about if you are lucky enough to live somewhere where you could get a Mirai, uh, what's the likelihood of uh, getting one, first of all? Are they available? What do they cost? And, And do you have to go through some kind of waiting list to get one? So you don't have to go through a waiting list. Of course, when they first were introduced, there was a waiting list for people because they were coming in pretty slowly. But right now, you can get them at four different Toyota dealers in Southern California and four different Toyota dealers in Northern California. And you can find those dealers on toyota.com slash Mirai. But how much is a Mirai going to cost me? What? What? How is it, it going to be? How painful, Dawn? How painful? 
So like every new technology that comes out, there are incentives that get put into the market to get the technology accepted among the general public. Mirai is no exception to that. Um, even though the vehicle has an MSRP of $57,500, there's a great lease price on it of $349 a month with $24.99 due at signing. But on top of that, $15,000 or your first three years of hydrogen are complimentary on a fuel card that we'll give to you. Complimentary rentals for seven days a year for the three years that you lease the car, the first three years you own the car. For example, if you want to go ahead and travel to a place that doesn't have infrastructure, we'll lend you a car to do that. Seattle uh, begs you, Seattle begs you to bring the Mirai. It sounds like a, a almost uh, too good to be true. And uh, presumably there's some federal tax credits involved there too. Yes, there are. There are uh, not federal tax credits at this moment, but there are state tax credits in California. And we work with each of the states for support from the states to be able to have this tax technology catch on in that state and have benefits for our customers. Dawn Mercer, the uh, the person in charge of uh, relaying all the good marketing materials for Mirai. Thanks for joining us this morning on Our Auto Expert. If I would say I'd hold my breath for Mirai to arrive, I might go a little blue, but um, I'm, I hope, I'm hoping it'll be uh, very soon. Thanks, Dawn, for joining us. Thank you so much, Nick. Stay tuned. There's more to come with Nick Miles on Como News. It's our auto expert on Como News. Here's more with Nick Miles. Every week we have our crazy mad investor scientist join us, uh, Anton Wallman. Uh, he has the inside track on what's happening in the investment side and the uh, production side of EVs. Anton, this is probably the busiest time of the year post CES. Let's start with uh, some of those things at CES that we learned this week. Uh, one of the biggest ones is the fact that there there is this new company that has been formed with a partnership uh, from Google and, uh, oh, sorry, partnership from VW and Hyundai. Uh, so what are they trying to do and what does this new company called Aurora mean? Yeah, so this new company was founded by the people that in turn in the past founded the autonomous driving efforts at Google and uh, one of them was also subsequently the head of autopilot at Tesla. Uh, having left their previous employers, they have now founded this company Aurora, which uh, is coming to market with uh, quite of a bang, and that is that they have signed deals with Volkswagen and Hyundai to bring to those companies, uh, let's call it autonomy in a box, and that is that they will provide autonomous technology to two of the largest automakers in the world. And uh, one can make the case, of course, that all of these autonomous technologies are a bit overhyped in terms of everybody expects that at some point you're going to be able to go to sleep in the back seat or not be in the car are at all. And that may take many, many more years than people believe. But nevertheless, this particular announcement, I believe, uh, is one of the more prominent ones in terms of getting us on a path to go from here to there. Let's talk about this in context of all tech companies. Apple, of course, filed patents recently that proved that their autonomous car, which they haven't confirmed, uh, their self-driving car is real. Uh, Google have been very upfront uh, with what they're developing. The one company that happens to be based here in the Northwest, which hasn't really, uh, doesn't seem to be at the forefront of the news, is Microsoft. Uh, uh, is this trio of giant uh, tech company 
is not involved in the in the development of the self-driving car? Well, it's very tempting, of course, for any of the uh, large traditional tech companies to try out this new area that's really hot and interesting. Uh, a couple of years ago, you may remember Apple was actually thinking about doing an actual car. And it seems like they backed away from that and are now focusing on more of the pure technology side of it. Although, of course, there's plenty of secrecy uh, behind the scenes there. So we don't know precisely how wide their aspirations go. But uh, what you have to realize is that a car is so different than traditional tech. And it has liability issues. There are enormous production issues. And for these technology companies to venture into those areas, uh, is quite a bit tougher than it seems at first glance. When we've seen how Tesla, for example, has struggled to uh, basically produce cars with both with quality and most importantly, in the end, with profit. Keep in mind that these tech companies typically are operating in a high margin environment. You look at the Microsofts of this world and the Apples and the Googles and so forth, their core products are almost pure margin or in the case of apple at least reasonably high margin for being hardware gadgets but auto autos are very low margin and we're talking low to high single digit percentage profit margins on these cars if you're lucky over a period of time so basically the area when you really do the math, it's just not all that attractive. That said, all of these companies simultaneously feel that they have to be involved somehow. And I think the consensus where these companies are now landing is uh, that they are trying to provide these new critical technologies that they can, you can then blend with the traditional automakers. And that's probably where Google and Apple and Microsoft are all going. question is how long until they can realistically deployed in real products. And of those companies right now, clearly by a wide margin, Google is the leader and they are the leader thanks to their partnership with Fiat Chrysler. All right. Well, let, we're going to find out more about uh, this in the next break. And I also want to uh, go over some of those Tesla numbers and the fact that uh, some new articles now coming out uh, as the Model 3 uh, has been tested by some prosumers. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Tesla uh, fourth quarter results. We'll talk about what's happening as far as the Model 3 in California and as it come to a grinding halt and some of the vehicles announced at this year's CES. Keep your radio tuned to Como News. More Our Auto Expert is on the way. It's a Northwest Lifestyle Weekend on Como News. Welcome to the Fast Lane. Nick Miles is our auto expert, so drop it into gear. It's a green flag. Here's Nick. Uh, we've seen some interesting end-of-year numbers out of Tesla. Uh, the fourth quarter brought to the end a very disappointing 2017 for Tesla. Uh, they seem to be harnessed with production nightmare problems. Uh, they have said production hell. That's their own language. Uh, is Tesla going to make it through 2018 without any bumps in the road? Well, that's the big question here, right? So all the eyes right now are on the Tesla Model 3. Uh, investors in particular, and I think the market broadly at large, don't really care 
as much anymore about the Model S and X. Uh, the sales of those products are uh, not growing very much, if at all, and uh, all of the company's fortunes are now hanging on the Model 3. So the expectations were initially, according to its CEO, Elon Musk, that the company would deliver between 100,000 and 200,000 Model 3 units in the second half of 2017. Those expectations were later dialed down to be a lot less. I mean, uh, Elon Musk tweeted out in July that he expected 20,000 units in the month of December. In the end, it turns out that the company delivered for the entire fourth quarter of 2017, 1,550 units of the Model 3. So basically, the company fell short to the tune of over 90%. So a shortfall of over 90%, it sounds like a bit of a joke, but it's true. So at the same time, the company then said that its goal for ramping up production further in the first half of 2018 has now been pushed back. So instead of making, say, 5,000 Model 3 units by the end of the first quarter, the March quarter of 2018, the company now hopes to achieve that goal by the middle of the year. So that's essentially a one-quarter pushout, which of course had followed the previous one-quarter pushout, which in turn had followed other pushouts in the past. So the company, in short, is simply falling short on all of its projections for the Model 3. If we were to talk about Tesla as a, as any company apart from an automotive company with anyone else but Elon Musk at the helm, uh, they probably would not have survived this far. I mean, would, we have, would we have put up with this from some company like Samsung? No, but uh, there's a reason why people are putting up with it, at least for now. And that is that in part, uh, the Model 3 seems to be a very good car, right? So we all already knew that it looked good and that it looked good on paper. But what we're finding out here in the month of January is that the first batch of reasonably qualified and independent reviews are coming back mostly very positive. Basically, what we're talking about here is that the Model 3 is sort of like a Model S, except that they've taken away some of the more complicated features that tended to go wrong, such as those self-presenting door handles and such. And the car is is lighter. It's about a thousand pounds lighter. And of course, a car like that is going to drive very, very well. And it turns out that people tend to more or less like a majority of the interior features. And of course, things such as handling and steering and acceleration and so forth seem to be performing pretty well. So investors and analysts and other observers are taking these shortfalls in terms of their ability to produce and actually deliver and sell the car in a bit of stride right now. All right, when we come back on our auto expert we're going to talk about a new electric car from kia and uh, we're going to talk about a new hydrogen car from hyundai that and more as our auto expert returns with things you can't hear anywhere else more our auto expert with nick miles is coming up on como news Homo News. Time to set it on cruise control. This is our auto expert. Here's Nick Miles. Well, thanks for listening to our show. If you had a chance to see some of the vehicles released at the CES show in Las Vegas, you'll have noticed the new Fisker Emotion. This is a carbon fiber 
four-door luxury sedan. It does 400 miles on a single electrical charge, 161 miles per hour, and all-wheel drive. I love the 27-inch TV in the back. That's my favorite part. Also, Nissan released a technology called B2V, which you can use your brain to drive your car. You wear a small helmet, and the car actually knows what you'll do 300 milliseconds before you actually do it. It can read your brain waves and your reactions, so it can help you with reaction times. It uses AI, and you can actually do things like stop, go, and turn with the vehicle or corner. The best part about it is it understands how the human body is feeling. So if you're sitting in the car and perhaps the temperature is a little high or perhaps it's a little cold, you don't have to reach forward and touch the controls. It does it for you. Stay connected. Stay informed. This is Como News.